The deeper Christian life is no deeper than that of the clear teaching of God's Word. It is not a mystery withheld from anyone, but made known to all who will listen and obey. Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. May Christ lead you deeper into Himself today as together we explore God's Word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Both of the things I'm going to say are points of tremendous encouragement for the Christian. However, you might not think that after I say them. First, faithful in Christ know this. You have passed out of judgment. You will not stand before Christ at His final judgment of condemnation. That moment is behind you, for at the cross, Christ stood in your place. Second, faithful in Christ, you will stand before Jesus before you enter into heaven, and you will be judged by Him for the works that you have done since trusting in Him for your salvation. The judgment of condemnation is behind you, but the judgment of reward or lack of reward is in front of you. 1 Corinthians 11.31 Now, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. That's it. The Bible speaks of two different judgments that Christ will occupy, or two different judgment seats that Christ will occupy at the end of the age. One is a seat that's called the great white throne, and it's a throne of judgment. And the other is a seat that has been called the Bema seat, or the judgment seat of Christ. It's referred to two times in Scripture. The word Bema actually speaks of a space that's at the bottom of the steps before the throne, and it's a place where those who are able to draw near the throne are able to stand. I believe at the great white throne judgment, everybody's going to be out a ways away from the throne. They're not going to come near to the throne as judgment is pronounced, but at the Bema seat, they're able to draw right in, right to the very porch, you might say, of the throne and stand right at the threshold of the throne. But there are these two different judgments, the great white throne judgment and the Bema seat judgment. The great white throne judgment is referred to in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And by the way, hope you got your Bibles because on different occasions, I'm going to have you turn to different places. This is at the end of the age, and it's where the books are opened up. And first is opened up the book of life to see whether people's names are written in the book of life. And those names that are written in the book of life have their entrance into heaven. But all those names that are not written in the book of life have an interest into hell. And then the other books are opened up, it says, for those whose names are not in the book of life and they're judged according to their works. And then all of them are cast into the lake of fire. It's a judgment unto condemnation. Or you might say it's a judgment that seals the sentence of condemnation on all those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You might remember John 3.16. It's one of our favorite verses. Our parents made us memorize it when we were little children. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the question is, well, what happens to those who don't believe in Him? And we well, just read two verses down in John chapter 3, verse 18. It says, he who believes in him is not under condemnation or is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The Bible declares that all people in their natural state are sinners, and in that sin, they are under God's condemnation, God's judgment. But it's a condemnation that can be repealed. It's a condemnation that can be repealed by their faith 
and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. In particular, it's a condemnation that was repealed when the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross, perfect and sinless, and offered himself up for our sins and our punishment on the cross. And when we look at the one, that sinless one, and recognize him dying in our place, and we accept and believe in the payment he's made for us, and now resurrected, receive Him as our Savior and our Lord, at that moment, this condemnation that has been set upon us is repealed and our names are established in the Lamb's. The Lamb is the one who sacrificed the Lamb's book of life. But if you don't believe in Him, if you don't receive Him, if you don't repent and put your trust in Him, well then, and then that condemnation rests upon you and there's a day coming when that sentence of condemnation shall be declared over you completely and finally sealed, and that individual will be cast into, the Bible says, the lake of fire. For the believer who's put their faith in Christ, Paul tells us what our standing is, what our position is before the great white throne judgment. We'll never get there. We'll never stand before there. There will be no final pronouncement of condemnation over us because we've already passed out from condemnation from God. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's gone from us. It's raised from us. The great white throne judgment for us is behind us in a sense. The judgment of death and hell is behind us if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And we won't stand at a distance before Him and listen to that declaration where he declares us to pass into outer darkness. It won't happen to us. Praise God. We're so thankful for that. But for us, there's a different judgment. He'll draw us near. After he separates out, the Bible describes it also as separating out the goat from the sheep. There's a separate judgment where he'll draw us in like the sheep to the bema seat, to the threshold of the throne. And there, there is a judgment that will take place. A judgment that is recorded. You'll find it in Romans chapter 14, 10 through 12. I want you to go there. Romans 14, 10 through 12. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. Now this is a judgment of us as believers before His throne, before we pass into heaven. Romans 14, 10 through 12. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. Romans. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? Here's an address, and before that address, in terms of the attitudes we should have before one another and serving one another. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that is, the behemoth seat, the threshold of Christ's judgment. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's read verses 9 and 10. And again, you'll have a reference to this bema seat, this threshold before the throne, this judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. Here, Paul writes, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We're going to be judged for how we've used this body and what we've done with our lives before that seat. And this judgment is one. And by the way, here, now, you'll see in both contexts that he's speaking to the believer and he's speaking about our lives and our faithfulness as followers of Jesus Christ. He's speaking about our attitudes towards one another in our service of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this judgment is a judgment for the one who's 
passed out of condemnation. And before they go into heaven, there is a survey over their life, a judgment that's taking place. This is not a judgment for condemnation. It's not a judgment to determine whether they're going to heaven or whether they're going to hell. It's a judgment to determine the reward or lack of reward that God will bestow upon us before we pass into heaven to be with Him forever. And the concern of this judgment or the outcome of this judgment, what comes of that? The outcome of this judgment first is to make sure that nothing is brought into heaven from our lives that is from our own flesh. It's a final purification and when God burns away all the things and all the motives and all the activities and all the attitudes and actions that do not honor Him and glorify Him, so only that which is good and holy and pure might come into His presence. Actually, you ought to be really glad for that. You know you're a complicated person. You don't even know why you do what you do sometimes. You, you think you're doing it out of the right motivation, but sometimes you're not. Sometimes your instincts and your motivations are impure and they're selfish and they're filled with just the energy of your own flesh. And God says it's not going to stand before a stone. It's going to burn away. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells about that as a purging of fire that will take place. In which everything that we've done in our lives that is wood, hay, and stubble, that just is chaff, broken up bits of grass, dried out grass, all those things that we've produced in our own flesh and in fleshly attitude, it says it's going to be blurned away with fire, and only that which is gold, silver, and precious stone will remain. When John had a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, he said his eyes were as if they were a fire. And before this throne, and standing before his judgment seat, at this threshold of his throne, the fiery eyes of the Lord Jesus will penetratingly look over all of our lives and all of our actions as followers of Him, and everything that was not produced by His Spirit, and everything that could give no pleasure to Him, or was not done for His glory, or not done under the impulse of His power and His life within us, He's going to burn away. It's just going to be wood, hay, and stubble that's going to be burned away. And only those things that by His Spirit He produced in us will remain. And those are the things that will be accumulated, you might say, as our crown. And by the way, the Bible refers to this judgment as a place in which God will place upon us various crowns. Crowns of rejoicing and, and crowns of righteousness that we have laid upon our head. And you might think of this moment when he brings us to the threshold where he judges us, that he's not simply judging us, but he's actually purifying this thing in order to construct a crown that he'll lay upon our head. And so this is our coronation moment as well. And with that crown, we've told what we'll do. The book of Revelation chapter 3 tells us that we'll take that, or chapter 4 tells us that we'll go before the throne of God and we'll worship the Lamb before the throne and the angels will cry out His holiness and as they're crying out and singing to His holiness, we'll take the crowns that He's laid upon our head, the reward of our service of Him, done and wrought by His Spirit working in us, and we'll take that off of our head and we'll cast it at His feet. And we'll say, not unto us be glory and honor and praise, but unto you be glory and honor and praises forever and ever and ever. In other words, this is a very important moment that Christ is going to be doing at the Bema seat because He's going to be, in a sense, giving us the accoutrements through which we will worship Him forever and ever. And we'll take joy in that. To be able to take these things and say, this reward and say, it was not for us and it was not done even by us. It was by you and it was for you and it's for your glory and will enrich our worship of Him. But it's pretty significant, important. 
Because the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 warns that there will be some people that almost everything will be burned away. It says they'll be barely saved but by fire. They'll not have much to bring with them. They'll not have much of a crown laid upon their head. Have the crown of life, eternal life that Christ gave them, but they won't have the crown of rejoicing that comes from this faithful service throughout their life. And I one time told my son that the motivation of our service ought to be that we have as large a crown as possible to cast at the Lord Jesus' feet because before the throne, you don't want to be picking through the pocket lint trying to see if there were some few pennies and coins that you threw his way in your service, but that you'd live in complete surrender to him. The Bible says there's coming a day of judgment for us. When Christ will search over our lives and the work of our lives, and Christ will sort through those things that were not done for His glory and His honor, and those things that were done in our own flesh and pattern and attitude, and He'll purify them and He'll drive them out. And what remains is what we'll be able to have with us throughout eternity to lay at His feet and worship Him. That ought to be important to you. It ought to be the great longing of your life if you truly have loved the Lord Jesus and found His salvation that you might offer Him much throughout eternity. Thus, when you think of it that way, you realize that God is going to test the reality of our songs, those where we sang that we wanted His glory above everything else. He's going to test that before His judgment seat, and actually, I want to know if I'm in it. I'm glad that day is coming. Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life, a ministry of Bread of Life Fellowship and the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. If you want to get copies of this message, learn more about our local ministry, or discover and contribute to our work around the world of making disciples, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.